This is an ABC podcast. Yeah, so I used to really love my job, looking after my flock and caring for the infirm, doing calligraphy for 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah, but uh, I used to wake up and jump out of bed, straighten my robes, ready to start the day. And now the bells just don't ring as clear. I don't get as excited about chanting for several hours at a time. I'm just not feeling it. Brother Kynan, mate, do you reckon you might be burnt out? Sorry, what? Well, it's been weeks since you've initiated one of our silent walking groups and I can't remember the last time you offered to wash my feet. (laughs) Tell me about it. How do I get my groove back? I'm Claire Hooper and this is The Pineapple Project. And I know we think we invented burnout with our modern age of fax machines and our pages going off all the time, right? But it turns out a bunch of Christian monks were onto it back in the 4th century. At first, they were all like, life is perfect. But then somewhere along the line, all that joy disappeared. They called it the noonday demon. First, he makes the sun appear sluggish and immobile, as if the day had 50 hours, and causes the monk continually to look at the windows and forces him to step out of his cell. The condition was known as acedia, which basically translates into being tired and giving zero shits about life anymore. You know, you're feeling exhausted, apathetic, indifferent. Basically, burnout is a total bummer. And... We're really hitting our straps in the workplace. But what's the point of becoming the best at finding a job you love if you completely lose the ability to enjoy it? Sorry to be dramatic, but it's true. So how do you get wise to the telltale signs of job burnout? And how do I stop it from happening to me? I mean, sorry, you. Stop it happening to you. First, let's meet someone from the modern world who had to tussle with that old noonday demon. Dr Nicola, whose name we've changed was not a monk, she was a vet, doing work she loved. I love being able to take any pain away from my patients. That is, like, my number one. You know, if they come in, they're unwell, look, I might not be able to fix you right away, I might not know what's going on, but number one thing is that I have the capability to help relieve the pain, and that, to me, is one of the most important things. So how did she get from there to feeling like work was destroying her? Yeah, it was an overwhelming feeling of lack of control, but absolutely at the same time, this feeling of numbness, I couldn't find joy in the things that I normally would have. I spend a lot of time dancing. I didn't want to dance anymore. I am owned by two cats. I couldn't bring myself to care for them. Um, you know, it was, yeah, th- this this vastness of grey. So Nicola's psychologist said, you're burnt out. But what does the term even mean? You sort of hear it thrown around. We use it when we mean, I'm so stressed, or I'm really busy, or I'm overwhelmed today. But it's important to learn the difference. Because as the experts will tell you, this condition is a slippery little sucker. Professor Gordon Parker is one of Australia's leading psychiatrists. And he founded the Black Dog Institute. What I'm saying is he's legit. Gordon and his team are conducting Australia's first study on burnout. I think stress is different to burnout. Stress is when you're you're in that fight or flight mode. 
you've got to get something done and your adrenaline is pouring out and you're fired up and you're doing things and you're on the go. Burnout is when that fire is no longer present and the fire has gone out and your eyes are looking a bit blank and your mind is a little bit blank and you're not performing as well as you should be. You do feel exhausted across the day, across the week. Those blue skies don't seem to press your buttons like they used to. It's a state of feeling nothing is pressing my buttons, nothing is giving me satisfaction as as I experienced in the past. So when spring cuts in and most people will feel, ah, spring is here, there's a bounce in my step now and it's just going to be lovely to go out and mix with other people. People with burnout are more just feeling a state of drifting along and not experiencing any great, great pleasure. And that's a very disquieting state. Ah, that's exactly what the monk said. So what else does burnout feel like? Well, I think that we can say that there are some conditions that are categorical. I mean, you're either pregnant or you're not. Okay. Burnout, I think, is dimensional in that it, you know, some people will describe feeling like this for a few minutes, uh, once a month, and, and so on and so forth. But the true state of burnout would be where the individual is exhausted week in, week out, and it's unrelenting and unremitting. It sounds a little like the experience of depression. How is it different? What is central, in my view, to defining depression is a drop in one's self-esteem and self-worth. And we all have an intrinsic level of self-esteem, but when it drops and the degree to which it drops, that helps define the severity of depression. Now, for people with burnout, many will describe that their self-esteem is impacted to some degree, but it's not central to the construct. And I think that's probably the most important difference. That burnout, most people will say, oh, yeah, I I don't think there's been any great change in my self-worth, but I'm just exhausted. I'm not getting any pleasure in life. And and life is just sort of fairly ho-hum. And so there, I think, lies the difference. That is, Self-esteem drop is central to depression, but it's not central to burnout. All right. So if you're going through burnout, your self-worth might be okay, but the world just feels dull. And you might even feel like the work itself isn't as valuable. That vagueness is one of the aspects of burnout Gordon and his scientists have been studying. They really want to nail down what this thing is so that they can give doctors the tools to measure it and diagnose it properly. So... Are people in certain jobs and careers more likely to go through this? When burnout was described in recent decades, and it's interesting, it's often been positioned as something that we only became aware of in the 1970s, but I can actually take you back to the uh, 4th century AD and give you good descriptions of it. But when it was first described, it was essentially described as occurring in those who are in service occupations, where they were making a very strong commitment to other people. And that meant, of course, doctors, nurses, teachers. And so the suggestion then is that the burnout really occurs in people who give of themselves as part of their job to an extraordinarily high degree. And they're giving, 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 often over extended work hours, way beyond the 35-hour week or 40-hour week. Eventually, they just run out of juice and they move to a state that they often find very disquieting, where in the caring professions, they're actually feeling that they're lacking empathy in their day-to-day dealings with other people. 
Now, I think that's the common way of perceiving burnout, but I also see burnout in people who are not in service industries and, say, particularly mothers who might have um, extremely demanding children. So I, I think it was wrong to position it as something that just is acquainted with formal work or formal occupations. I think it can occur across many, many scenarios. Now, while a 21st century veterinarian might not appear to have much in common with a 4th century monk, they were both in jobs where they cared for others. On top of that, our vet, Nicola, was working in a really demanding workplace. She was giving everything to her job and it wore her down. The work environment was, again, filled with absolutely lovely people in it for the right reasons, but there was an element of pressure coming from, I guess, a a level above in a management. And we, again, as a team, would nearly always put the needs of the pets before our own. So we would overbook, we would double book, we weren't saying no to anyone who phoned up with a problem. So overtime was frequent and expected. There was, you know, an intensity of caseload that meant that, yeah, a lot of breaks were being skipped and all this kind of thing. What was that like going to work every day? It was knowing that I would be stepping into chaos, that I would be stepping into an overwhelming situation. It was a feeling of defeat again, my life's not that bad. Like, why do I feel this way? Like, you know, snap out of it. I was really hard on myself. It was quite a traumatic time for me and my anxiety day in, day out was off the charts. So there are actually times of that period and conversations that I had that I don't remember. That tells me just how distressed I was with life, with work. Oh, work. That ongoing stress can really knock you around, hey? And there are a few other little factors to watch out for that can make you more susceptible to burnout. The Black Dog Institute says if your workplace has unreasonable expectations, like they expect you to work hectic long hours or they set you unrealistic goals or an unrelenting schedule or if they don't give you the right kind of support and resources... Well, that's like a toxic breeding ground for burnout. Yeah. And if you're a perfectionist, those pesky high standards you set yourself will also make you more vulnerable. So if this is sounding familiar, if you're in that greyness right now, how do you fight your way out of it? Should you just quit? Here's the paradox, in my view. Most people in our research that experience burnout are reliable, conscientious, perfectionistic people and where work is extremely important to their self-identity and who they are as human beings. And as I said, for many that reaches the level of workaholism. They take pride in their work. When they go home at nights and weekends, they worry about things that happened at work or whatever. And therefore, to say to somebody, "Okay, you should leave work, would be the worst solution for many of them because that has helped define them as a human being. And therefore, it doesn't solve anything because they've actually lost their defining features. The paradox is, I suspect that people who have a personality style where they just say, no worries, mate, she'll be right, and where work is not central, I don't think they experience burnout. 
So if someone in the workplace says, oh, I'm so burnt out, I'm going to go to Fiji, they're probably not burnt out because they're not the personality type of someone to get burnt out. No, that's the, uh, uh, the commonest advice that people are given who are experiencing burnout. Somebody will say, go and have a holiday. But if you're really burnt out, you won't be able to lie on a beach with ease. You'll lie on the beach for maybe half of an hour or an hour, but you'll be thinking about what's going on at work, how many emails must be coming in when you're away, and how many are going to be there when you get back. So you actually have great difficulty in turning your brain off. And going to Fiji a longer distance doesn't seem to make much difference. So telling somebody to have time out and just lie on a beach and relax is almost certainly not going to work. What what fresh hell, Gordon? What are they supposed to do if lying on a beach ah, won't help? What do they do? Right. Well, here we find that there is some useful information because we did this very big study where we asked people with burnout a whole series of questions, but certainly what had helped them, if anything had helped them at all. And Claire, what would you like to put your money on as the strategy that most people nominated as helping them with burnout? Um, um, uh, um, uh, I, I don't know. Oh, I'm not doing very well at this test, am I? What did people say? They just um, a little bit of help at work? I, I don't know. No, most nominated answer was exercise. Oh. After that came meditation, talking to other people, mindfulness, support, friends, sleep improving, blah, 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 blah. But exercise was way out in front. Now, I think that's a really interesting nomination. It's rather like doing something that's similar to work. I think it probably works because you are distracted by the particular exercise. There was no nomination for lying on a beach in the first 20 uh, strategies nominated by people that they found to be helpful. But it is interesting that strategies that do turn the brain off, such as meditation and mindfulness, those both got in the top 10. So I suspect it's a bit of horses for courses scenario where for some people, something like exercise distraction is going to be the most helpful one. And for other people, it's going to be the relaxation strategies of mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and so on and so forth. So that is the good news. That is, there are things that can be done that will relieve the burnout scenario. Meanwhile, our vet, Nicola, was trying her best to cope, to claw back some kind of balance, but she says her workplace wasn't too keen on giving that balance back. She decided she needed to leave. I think deep down in the back of my mind, I knew that this workplace wasn't working for me. I knew deep down that the working style was wearing me down. I think essentially I went to the psychologist to have those feelings validated Mm. and for him to say, A, you're not crazy and B, what you're dealing with day in, day out, that's intense. Yes, you're entitled to your legal lunch break. (laughs) That's no, that's not an unreasonable request. It was... More than just leaving work, I was prepared to give up being a vet altogether. And it was, I'd made the decision that my life was more important than my career. But you genuinely love being a vet. Absolutely. But I could see how much it was hurting me. 
It was while I was looking through job ads that I'd seen the ad for where I'm currently working. And as it turns out, the position had been filled. But I contacted the owner anyway and said, look, I'm not looking for full time. You know, these are my terms and conditions, a 32 hour working week and half an hour consults. I was open with my new boss about where I was at burnout wise. And she's been in the industry for many decades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and she, she'd been there, done that, knows all about it. And I was lucky to come across someone who had an appreciation for taking care of one's mental health. Mm-hmm. And she went, yep, if 32 hours is, you know, is what you want and, yep, we'll give you these strategies throughout the day to be able to manage your workload, 32 hours, like, that is my max. It really just comes down to don't work too much. Yeah. Like, like make sure you've got time where you're not a veterinarian. Like you said, like, you've got to have... Yeah. The half an hour consults really makes a difference in that I feel like I can be doing a thorough job Mm -hmm. that I can really take care of my patients. And that also gives me the contingency that if a pet really needs to be seen, I can say, yes, come on down because I've got a little bit of wiggle room. It turns out building that bit of space into her workday made a massive difference because there was finally enough room to stand back and see the good work she was doing. For Nicola, those strategies have really helped. She's found a better way of working and she's back to loving life as a vet again. The thing is, the right treatment for you might be completely different. The research suggests it can depend on your personality type. Hearing all of this, it's sort of hard to imagine how anyone who's super dedicated to their work could avoid burnout. (gasps) Wait a second. I know a dedicated work type I should probably check in on right now. Work wife. Uh I don't know if I want to be her. Work it. Or be friends with her. Virginia Trioli here. Hello, workwife. I haven't seen you around today, so I thought I'd check in. Oh, good. I can't see your face. Turn on your camera so I can test some of my jokes on you. Why are you testing your jokes on me? I'm going to check whether you've lost the ability to laugh while at work. It's a warning sign of being burnt out. Oh, well, first, I'm not sure if your jokes are the best gauge of my ability to laugh. And second, I'm not at work right now. Where are you? I'm forest bathing. No wonder you don't want the camera on. Claire, I'm just spending some time in nature. I am fully clad. Stop that. I'm trying to slow down and unwind. Forest bathing is a concept that first emerged in Japan back in the 80s when a lot of people were stressed and overworked. Well, I like nature. Good, because the benefits of shinrin-yoku to your health are significant and well-researched. Studies have shown people who regularly immerse themselves in nature have lower levels of depression and anxiety. It's also been credited with a positive effect on your blood pressure and your heart health. Well, aren't you supposed to unplug from technology or something while you're doing it? Well, yes, of course, it works better if you don't take your phone, but I need to be reachable at all times in case the Prime Minister changes suddenly. You know how that happens. Anyway, it's hard to feel burned out when you're surrounded by this beautiful natural splendour. Studies show that even two hours in nature can kickstart all those health benefits. Wow. Well, I guess I better let you go. Um, If you're not at work, maybe I could do some 
Virginia Trioli office bathing. You keep your clothes on, sister. Thanks, work wife. All right. If there's anything I've learnt from this, it's not to underestimate burnout. Like, if you started noticing the signs, you're already on your way. And you can't necessarily just take a holiday to fix it. I mean, what won't a holiday fix? Burnout. Burnout, it turns out. So, look after yourself and look after the people around you because no matter what your job is, you deserve to feel like your work is meaningful. And if you need a bit more help, have a chat to your GP. And if they don't listen, try another GP. I'm Claire Hooper. This is The Pineapple Project. And together, we are getting better at work. On the next episode, they're power hungry. She's presented my work to our GM before. They'll micromanage you. He looked at me and he said, you're not wearing that today, are you? And they can seem impossible to please. Someone was always crying. Horrible bosses. There's a reason Hollywood makes so many movies about them. Stories from people who've taken on their own nightmare bosses, survived and thrived. So if you've got a boss who does the following three things, I think you're working for an asshole. And how you can make your workplace a better place. That's next on The Pineapple Project. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single juicy bite. Or you can hear us in the ABC Listen app. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios. And as we're off the air, I just would like to pay my respects to your um, style. I first saw you on television probably seven or eight years ago, and I just you were so different to um, so many comedians. And you, I quite like the quizzical look that you wore, as if you, a look of surprise, at, uh, and every word that came out of your mouth surprised you even more. And it just <laughs> gave you a, a lightness that was really quite striking. So I've admired your work, kid. Keep it up. Ah. Oh. Oh, that's what people with burnout need. They need a professor to tell them they're good. Uh, Thank you. That's really lovely. You are good. Yep. Thanks. All right.